0: Raw truth stories of female infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, Curious to know what you guys thought of last week's episode about cheating, um, revenge, revenge cheating. I don't even know what it is I put out. Um, It's funny because it wasn't really about revenge cheating. Ultimately, it was just about seeking revenge. Um, But uh, there were quite some funny... You know, it's probably not funny, but I think it's kind of creative, maybe, um, of how some people felt they needed to take revenge on them. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, you know, be sure you do. So some good news for me on Thursday, just this last Thursday, I guess that would be a uh, September thirtieth. My office interviewed a gal to replace me and When I met her, I connected with her. She knew her stuff, which is what we need, and had a great interview apparently with a doctor, and she's going to start shadowing me next week, and then slowly start working her way into the position, and I'll slowly go down to part-time to the point where I'm not needed anymore, and I will be done. So I'm thinking... Oh, by the end of this month for October. See, I have surgery coming up um, October twenty seventh. So I would rather not have to go back right after that. Um, Well, I was going to take the next week off, but it would be nice if I didn't have to worry about that. And they were up and running. So it gives me mixed emotions um of course i'm excited to start this new adventure in my life of having the opportunity to travel and all of that but then there's these emotions of oh my gosh you know they're all moving on and i'm leaving and it's kind of bittersweet i've only been there two and a half years uh, but still i really have great rapport and established relationships with some of my patients Um, to the point where a lot of them say, take my phone number and keep in touch. We need to go have coffee. And I think that's, I love that because the gal that I replaced had been there for 33 years or something like that. See, I'm in a three-generational practice where the grandfather started it back in 1923, and then it went to his son, and then now it's with his son, who is my current boss. So two years from now, we'll hit the 100-year mark but uh the practice is going to stop when this doctor retires probably in about five years or so um because there's no one to take the reins in the family um but uh these it was hard to take this lady's spot they kept calling me um her name was karen (laughs) and they'd come in and see me and they go oh you're the new karen and i'd say well no actually i'm you know, who I am, and I've done this for, at this point, when I started there, I was at 29 years in the dental field. Um, There's nothing worse than when somebody comes in and thinks you don't know what you're doing. And I'm so um, proud, and I know so much when it comes to running a dental office that, you know, just because I'm younger than the other girl doesn't mean that I know less when it comes to my job. So anyways... (laughs) Um, The other thing that kind of scares me is right now I've been living um, with a double income, um, and uh, when I leave my job, I'm going to drop down to just a single income, and uh, so I've been out buying things that I think I'm going to need for my house and all of that before that double income goes away, and I have to um, make you know, considerations as far as do I really need to get a massage and a facial and a manicure and a pedicure or new nails every month? Do I really? Well, no, I could probably learn how to, you know, manage that without, or I don't need to buy as many clothes or shoes or anything like that, because I'm not going to be working outside my house. So I have a feeling I'm going to end up, and it's funny because I teased the Marine. I said, are you ready? Every day I'm going to be in sweatpants, t-shirts, and slippers, which is not true, but we just won't talk about what I'm wearing at the moment. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelity but what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. We married on November 24, 2001. Six months later, during the same two week period that we were creating our youngest son, she had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair or being the other woman or other man... Subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity's Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. Previously on Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, Josephine Part 1. Two years ago, as I felt more alone than ever with this, I started to feel like I was missing something. I was always afraid of what the evenings would look like, at what time my boyfriend would be drunk, and I would hate him again. There was just no more fun in my life. I had some activities, saw friends, but I was always nervous to leave my daughter with him, even though he's always been so good with the kids. But I never knew if he was going to drink too much that night, and I was worried. That's also the main reason why I didn't split. To fill the void, to feel something, I started to play casinos online secretly. I played and played so much that I lost $35,000. This lasted more than a year before I was able to stop because the excitement was there and I liked the risk. To this day, absolutely nobody knows this. I have debts because of that. I struggle to pay the bills and these debts. I feel awful about this, but I understood why I did it. I felt trapped and searched for something that would make me feel happy and alive and excited. It was artificial, but I will pay the price for a lot of years to come. It will be my secret as I'm too ashamed to talk about that with my friends and family. It is my burden. So now it's time to conclude Josephine's story. In the same research of adrenaline, a year ago, I did something. And even though I won't admit it to myself, I think I knew perfectly what it was I was doing. I wrote to Jim with some lame excuse. He was happy that I had reached out to him. We chatted for a few days and talked about our lives. One day I told him that I had to travel to my hometown every month for work, which was true. I think I wanted to test him. He said what I thought he would say. He said that we could meet in my hotel room. I told him that that would be dangerous considering our past. He said that he knew it would be dangerous, but that was his goal. I told him that I could not do that to my boyfriend, that if I ever did, I would never be able to forgive myself as I was happy and wouldn't want to be the one who breaks up the family. He said that he understood and that I was a good person and that he should do this too. A few days later, after my boyfriend drank too much and was getting on my nerves a lot, I told him that even though I didn't want to, I was curious. Sex was always good between us. He agreed. He wanted to go there again. Days went by and we ended up in the same hotel room when I was in town for work. I will always remember this night. It's the day that COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. Could you have a bigger warning that what you are doing is wrong? Well, nothing happened that night. I couldn't do it. When he left, he touched my face, and I stepped back, but I felt the electricity. I felt alive. I just felt something big. He left, but the damage inside me was already done. We continued to chat week after week, sex with words. I never talked dirty like that before. We were planning on seeing each other again, but the pandemic changed everything. Not only I never went back to my hometown for work, but I wasn't even allowed to go see my family. The road was blocked by police. Then it was summer. We were talking less frequently as we were enjoying summer with our families. Fall was quiet too, and I could see that this game wasn't satisfying him anymore. In December of 2020, I had to go to my hometown for an appointment. We planned to see each other, but I was sleeping at my parents' place, so we decided to meet somewhere and do this in the car. Two or three days before my trip, Jim seemed a lot less excited about the plan. He told me that he decided to work on his relationship and that it wouldn't help if something happened between us. So we agreed to meet anyway, on a friendly basis. We did. We talked for two hours in the car, but nothing happened. As I did a few months before he got cold feet. That was okay. However, I was sad. I was feeling rejected and that was weird. But anyway, I couldn't force anything. So we just continued our life chatting from time to time platonic conversations only. And then Jim started to make some naughty comments. I tried not to go there, as I didn't want to experience the same feeling of rejection again. But I planned a trip to my hometown because I needed some space for my boyfriend and the kids. I needed some me time. Wanted to see my parents. I couldn't sleep at their place because COVID-19 special measures were still in place, and I just wasn't allowed to sleep there or even see them. Of course, I saw them anyways, but I booked a hotel room i told jim that i would be in town also told him that he could come see me if he wanted always on a friendly basis it didn't take long before he started to talk about sex the timing was good and he was working during the evening and his wife was working too so one night he came to my room knocked on the door I opened it and he dropped his things on the floor and grabbed my face with both of his hands and kissed me right away. He told me that if we didn't do it at this moment, one of us would get cold feet again. So we had sex. Three times. We talked, we laughed, we fucked. And that was it. I was a cheater, a title that I never thought I would get in my life. When he left, I wasn't proud. First, sex wasn't as great as I remembered. In the first few minutes, I thought that it was so much better with my boyfriend. That's probably normal as we've been together for eight years and he knows me better than anyone. Second, I felt bad. My boyfriend was taking care of the kids while I was cheating on him and it was premeditated. The field has been prepared for more than a year. I was guilty and I felt guilty. Third. I was wondering if I had feelings or not for Jim. I was asking myself, why were we always getting back to each other? We've known each other for more than 15 years. Why were we still doing that? I knew that having sex with him would be safe, that he would be respectful, that we could trust each other and it would stay a secret. Even if he told me that he loved me, I wouldn't leave my family. I'm just not ready yet, and maybe I'll never be, but deep down, I think I was hoping that this time, he would love the person I am, and not only my sexual side. In the next few days, I had multiple emotions. Guilt, shame, satisfaction, anger, and happiness. Mixed emotions. I had remorse, of course, but also I remembered why I did it and how my boyfriend makes me feel each time he chooses alcohol over me. He knows what I think and despise that he makes the same choices day after day. The martinis, bottles of wine and scotch seem a lot more important than what I'm feeling, how I'm feeling when he drinks. I love him, but I love the sober version of him. Do I want to split? If you ask me the question when he's sober, the answer is a big fat no. He's a good dad, he helps with choirs, pays his part, and he's a wonderful sex partner and lover, and he adores me. But ask me the same question when he's drunk, I swear the answer is different. Now that I've cheated on him when he drinks and doesn't care how it makes me feel, I think about that night and I say to him in my head, You deserved it and in these moments, often as you can guess, I don't regret anything and I would do it all over again as revenge because I believe he cheats on me too, not with a person but with a beverage. I know that if he knows what I did, it will be the end of our relationship and I know from an external point of view, I will be the mean one. Even my family, my traditional close-minded parents happily married for 40 years would hate me for it. The adrenaline I felt while cheating on him was crazy. Would that be enough to cheat again if my boyfriend was sober? I don't think so. In fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have cheated first, but this feeling almost the same that I got when I was gambling is problematic. It's hard to think that you won't ever have this feeling again, that you'll never get that high again. I get why most people cheat repeatedly. I struggle not to do it again with somebody else. But in the end, I love my flawed boyfriend and I want this family thing to work. But I'm afraid if my boyfriend doesn't change regarding his alcohol addiction, which he denies, it could happen again because I still feel that somehow he doesn't respect me. I did chat a little bit with Jim in the days following the sex encounter, but mostly he wanted to know if I was okay with what we did and if my return to home went well. I think he really didn't care how I felt, but he wanted to make sure I wouldn't confess to my boyfriend or anyone else in the heat of the guilt. I didn't have any news after that, so I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about me at all. That hurts a little, if I'm being honest. And because I want to end on a happy note, despite a dramatic subject, you remember Ben? Ben, who left me for another woman and had two kids with her? My best friend's brother? The biggest breakup of my life? Well, it looks like karma is never too far. He divorced because his wife discovered he was cheating on her with a stripper. He told her that he wanted them both in his life. She couldn't accept this. Me and her became friends because she wasn't a bad person after all. She just fell in love with the wrong guy and I owe her for that or I would be the one having kids with a psychopath. Of course, there would be a lot more to talk about. He did some nasty things, but anyway, he lost his family. My best friend, my better half, hasn't talked to him since the divorce. His parents still talk to him to make sure they can see their grandkids. He lost his driving license, and I don't talk about his little trips to the psychiatric hospital. He broke me, for sure, but now I know that he is pretty broken too. I don't know how he does it, but he still managed to have a girlfriend that is nice and takes care of his kids, probably while he lives a double life wow wow josephine thank you so much for sending this story in i think a lot of us here can understand why you feel the way you do you are not alone um i know i think the first time i cheated yeah i felt all those emotions you feel guilty but yet you almost feel kind of proud and i know it's twisted. Um, you feel remorseful. But if you, to me, and this is only my opinion, is that cheating can easily become an addiction. And it did for me, similar to something like your gambling past, you know, you just got to scratch that itch one more time. And temporarily, it makes you feel good. But then at the end, you realize how much you have to lose. And you don't want to go down that road and you'll do everything you can to avoid it. But then something will happen and that strong feeling you have of being against it falls off and you feel vulnerable to do something again that shouldn't be done. So I do commend you, though, for, you know, being such a strong woman. I mean, alcoholism is, that's a tough thing. And until he is willing to admit it, he's not obviously going to change. And this is something you live day to day. But not only is it not fair to you, but it's not fair to your children. He shouldn't be exposing them to this because then they grow up to um, thinking, is this the normal way of life? Or even kind of having resentful feelings towards dad or even you because you kept them there um i i'm only saying this not from my own personal experience other than when my divorce happened and i chose to leave my children with their father because i thought it was a better place considering where my mindset was and i was moving to what my ex-husband would refer to as a flea bag apartment but um he made some pretty shitty choices when i moved out by bringing a new girlfriend in um six weeks after i moved out and his behavior changed and to this day they both resent him for not putting them first and so when you say he's not putting you first he's not and it's just that's not how relationships are supposed to work i understand we all make mistakes we all make mistakes and he is human and he's going to screw up you're human i'm human everybody listening is human. And we do things we regret, uh, but that doesn't make us bad people. But what makes us better is knowing what we've done and trying to change the course and uh, take care of ourselves and our families in a better place. Uh, Because as I said before, we only have one life to live. Let's make it the best that we can. And I say that too. If, If you're happy, and you want to be with him when he's sober, he's great. That's great. But when that ugly side comes out, that's a lot to take. Um, and you deserve to be happy and safe. So anyway, that's my blah, blah, blah about it. So of course, never any judgment whatsoever. Thank you again for sending this in. And I wish you luck. Keep me posted. If uh, Jim comes sniffing around or anything like that, definitely keep us in the loop. Okay. Thanks again, Josephine. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 countdown for podcast magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to Rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again. And be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye.